you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes. Sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast, presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. Oh, look. Mike getting in on the action. What's up, brother? Yeah, it's an exciting time to be sure. I don't know what's going on out there, but uh, there were, we didn't have hardly any SEC news. <laughs> oh, it's just, just the old election stuff going on. And you guys listen on Wednesday, you know exactly what happened uh, here on Tuesday. We have no idea. Just getting started because mm-hmm. uh, that's when we are making the Wednesday pod. But uh Saw some pretty funny stuff online. I ain't going to lie. Even heard a hype video on the way home. I was expecting Mike to jump out. You know, <laughs> got ourselves a little hype video. So, no, it's been exciting. But like you said, on the football front, not, not, not a lot of stuff going on. There was one tweet I wanted to read to you, Mike. And if you got something you want to say, go ahead and do that. And I'll, I'm going to look for it real quick. All right. Yeah, the only thing I saw... I don't know if there is a viral photo going around, Shane, of a guy voting with his pants down. Yeah. And somebody said, hey, it's the guy from CNN that got caught jerking. (laughs) Jeez Louise. (laughs) Oh, okay. Here it is. This this was my favorite one. This one comes from Rocky Top Rev. Jeremy Pruitt is sitting at a polling place frustrated because he doesn't know how either candidate did in practice last week. So he, he doesn't know who to vote for. <laughs> oh man. So, but anyway, you know, we, we don't talk, we don't talk politics. I mean, we, hell, we probably should have mentioned a little bit of it. I mean, it happened today and it happens every four years and this has been a wild one, but uh, we like to stick to football around here, Mike. Absolutely. Well, speaking of that, we got a huge game to break down here. Shane's going to decide the SEC East. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it! Now let's go around the league. 
I, my, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, starting here in Georgia, in Athens, let's go on down. Like I said, Kirby Smart, of course, met with the media on Monday, but we like to hold off the preview till we get the other coach, and we didn't get Dan Mullen here till Tuesday. So, you know, obviously goes without saying, this game means everything to both these programs. Uh, they both, you know, the winner will have a two-game lead on the rest of the division. So it's really hard to see anyone else kind of climbing the ladder. And, you know, Georgia and Florida, they'd have to basically fall apart down the stretch for anybody else to win it. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Thoughts on this one, Shane? Because certainly it looks like Florida's got all the momentum. Georgia fans seem to be out on Stetson Bennett. Uh, half the damn team's banged up. We got, you know, team leaders, all Americans getting into fortunate motorcycle accidents, but it just seems like karma's against them. But I would say at the same time, Shane, going back, you know, it seems like Georgia always kind of stumbling into this game. And for whatever reason, they saved their best for Florida. I know this looks like Dan Mullen's best offense down there in Gainesville, but he has not been able to solve Kirby Smart's defense. And I know every situation is unique. We got to take into account Georgia's injuries on the defensive side of the ball. But hell, Florida just put a whooping on Missouri after not touching a football for two weeks. So red hot Florida going up against a Georgia team that may still have an overall talent advantage. What are your thoughts on this one? I'm, you know, obviously I'm not asking for a pick, but just kind of where are you leaning early in the week? Oh, Mike, you know, I'm feeling like making this one of my – I think about making this game my lock of the week just by the tweets I've been receiving. Everybody wants me to pick one or not pick one, I should say. But I don't know. It just it's, – it's eerie. It's, it's almost like a sucker bet, like you said. There's so many bad things happening with Georgia Bulldogs. You look at what they uh, – the injuries, I mean, that's a big part of it. Uh, you look at what Stetson did last week. Hell, he only had four receptions, two receivers. And to, to put that in perspective, uh, Kentucky had two receptions. So, <laughs> <you know? laughs> so uh, uh, it, it was a rough week. And, and you know, I'm, I was pissed off at Kirby's play calling and all that. I mean, I know he wasn't the offensive coordinator, but it, it just felt like they didn't open up. And then you look. Looking at Florida coming out, fired up, you know, didn't miss a beat off this bye week. And I don't, I, this, this is going to be an absolute fantastic game. And unlike the West, going into this season, there was a lot of games that we had highlighted. Uh, you know, you look at Alabama, Auburn, Alabama, LSU, 
Texas A&M, Alabama. I mean, it went back and forth on, on what is going to decide the West. We knew from the end of last season what is going to decide the East, and that's going to be the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And and that hasn't changed, Mike. So, yeah, this is – I keep going back and forth in this game, and I, I keep I, – you know, there's times I, I get sucked into the, the Florida – drama and then there's sometimes I get sucked into the well Georgia's really limping into this thing so mm -hmm. I don't know so uh I need some clarity Mike that's probably why I'm gonna go on the hike this weekend so I can just <laughs> figure out which team I want to roll with well let's kick it over to uh Kirby Smart Shane talked about uh, Stetson Bennett they're staying with them sticking with uh the little guy there at quarterback Todd <laughs> Munkin you know how much uh autonomy does he have on play calling and picking the quarterback and stuff like that on defending Kyle Pitts and on Kyle Trash, just the big season he's having for the Gators. I guess I'll be the, the bad guy right off the bat here. And, and I'm not questioning, but I'm just asking because we hear it all the time. Can you explain to fans what attributes that Stetson has and makes him the better option to start than Dwan and JT in regards to JT, even though he is clear, is there anything at all physically that's holding him back right now? Uh, the only physical limitations are still, you know, would be coming off the knee, which he hasn't shown a lot of ailments coming off the knee. I mean, he's been out of the brace. He's been able to throw the ball. He's done a good job. He actually comes down and throws on the scout team and uh, competes and does a really nice job down there with us. Um, again, the decisions we make as coaches are decisions we have to make. They're tough decisions, no different than they are at who plays corner and who plays tackle. And there's a lot of really good competitions out there going on. Um, and ultimately, we feel like Stetson gives us the best chance to win right now. And, uh, you know, Dewan gets a lot of work, a lot of reps, and competes really hard at that. He continues to improve and shows us that he's the better guy, uh, that he would be the guy up. Same thing with JT. JT probably doesn't get as many opportunities uh, as Stetson does and Dewan does because he works down there with us some on the scout team. But, you know, at the end of the day, guys, the decision has to be made by us. It gives us the best chance to win, and we do that based on the total body of work, and those are the decisions that have to be made. Um, Kirby, with, with – you know, the five turnovers over the last couple games and the two fumbles that, that weren't lost. Um, do you think you're getting the level of quarterback play you need right now to get where you want to get and where can you improve? Well, we can improve in a lot of ways. We can improve by protecting the ball, um, sliding. Once you make a good decision to run and you get near contact, you can get down. Um, good decisions with the ball in terms of if you're going to throw it out of bounds, throw it out of bounds. If you're going to hit the check down, hit the check down. But, um, there's a lot of places we can improve. We can improve with our, our route running, our route communication, um, our ability to, to, to finish blocks on the perimeter when we get the ball on the perimeter. There's tons of places we can improve. Kirby, how, how aligned are you, uh, you and Todd Munkin aligned in terms of, you know, quarterback picking order? And him being the offensive coordinator, how much autonomy does he have to say, look, I think this guy's better than this guy and this guy should start? Uh, I would say he has total autonomy when it comes to offensive decisions in terms of uh, selecting what we carry into a game, uh, play calling. Uh, that's that's what you hire people to do, to do a job. I mean, you, you turn it over to them and say, hey, what's the best job we can? Now, he has a tremendous staff with great experience. And, you know, Matt Luke is a guy that's got great experience. Cortez, Dell, Hartley, all those guys are a concerted effort in terms of making game plans and making decisions about personnel and plays. And, you know, he's really highly organized, which is what I really like in terms of 
each coach having a responsibility in presenting to him their thoughts for that game plan of the week. He does a really good job of that. In terms of quarterback play, uh, we're aligned uh, perfectly. We talk about it each week. We talk about it for each game. We talk about it after each practice and uh, talk about where, where guys are, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and how we think their strengths can benefit our game plan. And we go through that. We go through that after each game. So uh, we're, we have a lot of communication about it. Kirby, I don't think anyone's done this yet, but how are y'all going to stop Pitts? How, how do you even match up with him? Well, I mean, he's really a, a great player. Anytime you play a great player, you got to have a good game plan for. And uh, like you said, I don't think anybody's stopping him. It's uh, limiting explosives, uh, matching up, winning some 50-50 balls. That's what he's best at. You know, it's impossible. If people think you can just double cover him, just double cover him. Uh, that's not – you can't do that. They put him in places where you can't double him. Um, and you've got to do other things to other people. they got other good players besides just him. Um, and the quarterback knows where to throw the ball uh, to give him a shot. And there's not an easy answer for that. You know, it's not like a textbook answer of this is how you stop him. You're, you're not going to do that. What you do is contain him and hope that you don't get hit on explosives and that uh, the team understands where he is. So, uh, Kirby, I just wanted to ask you about the other, I guess, the challenges that Trask are going to present uh, to your defense. Well, experience, number one, there's not, you know, you, you have some quarterbacks in our league who experience and have seen everything, and you see the maturation of quarterbacks as they play against uh, teams, and they've seen that look, and they've seen, you know, that two trap, that quarters, that that quarter, quarter halves, that man, that, that, that extra overload blitz, they've seen it, and so they know how to attack it. That's that the maturation he's had is he's played in our league now, and once you get that valuable experience, it's uh, it's hard to trick them. You know, you, you don't trick guys. They've seen it before. You have to ultimately be able to defend their people with your people. You're not going to win a scheme battle of, oh, we got a guy free. You're not going to scheme somebody free. They got to win one on one. And you got to cover Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Trask knows that. <laughs> and he does a good job of finding him and finding the other guys he's got uh, as weapons. So he's a, he's a really, really good football player because he has uh, savvy and awareness. All right, Shane, so you know, I want to just briefly mention the name that all Georgia fans tired of hearing about it. And I only bring it up because uh, I don't know if you caught this, Shane, but on the uh, ESPN College Football Podcast, David Pollock said, hell, this team is uh, Jamie Newman, or not Jamie Newman, Justin Fields away from being a national championship team. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, certainly Georgia fans have, thought that I'm sure to themselves but let's just play devil's advocate with me here for Shane for a moment here if Florida were to beat Georgia and win the east I think you could certainly say that uh, Georgia fans are going to be upset it felt like you know the all offseason Georgia confident that they're going to beat Florida that they own Florida that they own Dan Mullen and then on the flip side if Justin Fields were to win the Heisman potentially or, or take Ohio State to the playoff, and hell, who knows, what, maybe even win it. I know I'm asking you a lot of like future questions here, but if all that happens, how much, if, if any, heat is going to be on Kirby Smart now that we're starting, you know, no disrespect to Stetson Bennett. I think he's done a, a much better job than most people could anticipate it, but he just – He's not a championship quarterback, but yet they got a championship right. roster here. But again, once again, they're screwing up the most important position on the field in Athens. 
Yeah, I don't know how how short that leash is because I I think it's shorter for the fans than it is the actual folks that make this decision because I, I can't imagine they're extremely upset with the situation. There were some games they'd like to have back, but, you know, this is 2020, Mike, and uh, I'm not saying this is a forgive-me year for the Georgia Bulldogs, but if something were to happen, uh, it, it feels like, yeah, he's kind of safe either way. But Mike, I think uh, I think the the biggest deal here for the Bulldogs is they 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 got to win the big games. They got to win. They they did it last year with Florida. They got to do it this year against Florida. Well, let me ask. Let me circle back to this game because that's more yeah. important than than any I'm of this trying, future talk. I, but yeah. If you look at that last game against Kentucky, I know Kentucky severely limited on the offensive side of the ball. But if the game plan is to hand it off to Zamir White and James Cook and all these talented running backs 30, 40 times and try to score 14, 20 points, that's going to work for Georgia more often than not. But it's mm-hmm. just not going to get it done, I don't think, against this Florida offense. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know. I know it's only a couple games into the Todd Bunkin era here, but I don't know what the hell we're doing on offense if uh, if we're not airing it out. And I don't know if – I just don't know if Stetson Bennett can basically beat Kyle Trask in a shootout-style game here. And he can't because he had the opportunity to do it against Alabama, and we saw what happened. If this game gets in any type of a shootout where the defense is no longer a factor – and it's relied on the offense. That's why I got so pissed off about the Kentucky game, Mike, is it was a tune-up game for this one. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, like you were saying, it, it seems like Georgia's on a race to 28 points. As soon as they get to 28 points, they're happy they win. Like you said, nine times out of ten, that is the, that's the facts. But there's going to come teams across their schedule that can score, even though it's a fantastic defense – they still could put up points, and Florida Gators are one of those teams. They're, they're, they have shown they can flex those muscles, and Georgia has shown that they can be vulnerable against deep plays, against big plays. So I'm kind of torn here because, like, like I said last week, it was just so frustrating because they had an opportunity to get ready for the, the Florida game, and it felt like they just fumbled it, and, and they just went – conservative and i i don't know if they were trying to save the playbook or what they were doing but i I am worried and and then you look at the injuries and and everything there's just there's just so many factors going on to this game now let's kick it over to the other side let's go on down to gainesville where uh, dan mullen met with the media here on tuesday and now i you know i don't want to be all doom and gloom on georgia because here at florida I don't want to say trap game. I don't, that's not the right word, but my goodness, Shane, everything is apparently breaking Florida's way. You know, they're over the COVID issue. They announced it on Tuesday. No COVID positives. Their latest test. That's great news after their uh, outbreak, whatever you want to call it there. They just whooped up on Missouri. I thought they'd look rusty. I th- they were even down some guys. It didn't even affect them. It didn't seem like. They're fired up. Dan Mullen out there fighting for Kyle Trask. But at the end of the day here, 
you know, with the Darth Vader stuff and all that. Florida fans loving it. They're eating it up, and they should because mm-hmm. they just beat the hell out of Missouri. But if yeah. you turn around and you lose to Georgia that is playing a former walk-on at quarterback that is banged up all over the field, that can that can barely manage an offense on Kentucky, I don't know if Dan Mullen will ever be Kirby Smart in Georgia if he can't do it now because – you know, we're talking all this bad stuff about Georgia. They're about to win 10 or 11 games. You know what I mean? And this was a da- that's a down year for them. You know what I mean? So if it ain't this year, and we're going to get to Mullen's comments here, but but one of them really pissed me off when he was asked about, you know, how big of a game this is. And he goes on about, well, hell, we didn't beat Missouri. And, you know, we weren't asking these questions. But the Georgia, excuse me, the Florida fan base does not walk around thinking about Missouri no. during the offseason. They're thinking about Georgia and you can't be a championship program if you can't get over a team in your own damn division. So I don't know how much pressure is on Dan Mullen and on these Florida Gators to to get this W this weekend. Uh, yeah, this this is the last hurdle. Or not the last hurdle, but next to the last rung here. This one has been a thorn in their side since, since he got down there. But this is the time you, you look at when Dan first got down there to Gainesville and, and you, you factor, this is what year three. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is the magic year. This is the year that they should be When he took this job, I guarantee he said, Hey, by, you know, this is a two, three year build, but you know, by year three, we should be competing for championships. They're here. They've got the talent. They've got the roster for it. And I love how they talk about not mixing things up and, and you look what has been working for Florida as you could say the same argument that Georgia it works on nine out of 10 teams. But when it comes down to tougher competition, you think about the LSU game last year, you think about uh, the Georgia game last year. It just when when things got tough when things got tight and the talent was just the same they couldn't do what they were doing so Texas A&M kind of exposed that a little bit this year and and I think that was important they needed that punch in the mouth they really did Mike and and it it couldn't come at a better time like if you were going to lose and I was looking at the roster I was like yeah let's do it to the Aggies so that you can focus on the east so I think that was a perfect timing. I think the bye week hit at a perfect time. Um, I, I think I think Dan is going to mix a few things up here. All right, well, let's kick it over to Dan, talking about uh, the comment that kind of got me heated on how bad they need to beat Georgia, what this game means for his program. He talks about Kyle Trask, how well he's playing, and then this uh, Georgia defense and facing Kirby Smart. Dan, uh I'm just wondering that obviously when you're playing your biggest rival every year, it's always going to be a big game in the minds of the coaches and the players. Do you feel there is a heightened sense of urgency by the players and yourself because you have not won this game the past couple of years? No, I think every year it's an independent deal. Um, You know, uh, the two years ago we didn't beat Missouri. So, you know, that I don't think that changed this year's deal playing them and, uh, so I just think uh, it, it, it's it's usually a big game because it usually has some championship implications uh, in it. Um, and but you know I, whether we had won or lost last year has no effect on this year's game. Yeah, Dan, going kind of back to the magnitude of this game. I know previous years' games don't affect this year's game at all, but these are the kind of games that can kind of help cement sort of the upward trajectory of the program if they go your way, right? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, obviously our goal is to win a championship, and, you know, the winner of this game is going to be in the driver's seat to win that SEC's championship, so it certainly does that. Do you worry at all about kind of keeping your guys level, knowing just the energy and the importance of this one? Uh, you know, I thought we've had we had two good practices so far Sunday and Monday, so I, I think they, they know. I mean, they're – they, they, they want to. They, our guys like playing in big games, you know, and I think they're excited to go play in a big game. Uh, as a follow-up, uh, how much of a, of a factor do you think uh, and, and an edge it gives you to have somebody like Kyle Trask who has evolved into the kind of quarterback that I would assume you think can bring you a championship? Well, I, I mean, it helps. He's playing, a, he's playing at a high level. He's doing a great job managing our offense. He's doing a great job distributing the ball to the playmakers, uh, limiting mistakes, and, and you know, uh, you know, and shows great leadership within the team. So um, you need all those things from your quarterback um, if, if you're going to have the opportunity to be a championship team. So uh, I think he brings a lot of that stuff to the table. So um, we're really happy we have him. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Well, when, when you look at Georgia's defense, what impresses you the most? What jumps out? <laughs> you know, I, the, the the talent level they have front to back. Uh, you know, I, and and I don't want to just say it's just players. I think Kirby, they have a great defensive scheme. I think he has a great defensive scheme. Um, they have answers to the questions. You know, he knows it uh, inside and out. They do a good job of putting their guys in, in great position to make plays. Um, and they're they're not afraid to tweak. They're different. They're different this year than they were last year, you know. But but he, he knows he knows his defense has a great system to put players into position to make plays. They play hard, uh, and then they have talent at every level of the defense. You know, they 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 can put big guys in the game and stop the run. They can put pass rushers in the game to get pressure. They can cover and play man coverage. They can confuse, try to confuse you with different looks with a lot of different zones. Um, they mix it up a lot. So, um, you know, I, they're, they're, you know, they're, they are a very, very good defensive football team. And, and it's not one thing that makes them a great football team. It's every layer of it that makes them a, a really good football, uh, defensive football team. Hey, Dan, there's so much offensive personnel carryover from last year's game in Jacksonville, and same with Georgia's defense. You know, it would seem that at least revisiting those matchups are useful as a reference point for your guys to be able to see, you know, what player A did against player B. You know, how much do you still rely on, on that game, at least as, whether it be a benchmark or whatever? Well, you do some, but we have a, we have a lot of new faces out there. You know, we have four four of four of those wide receivers for us are playing in the NFL right now. We have our tailbacks playing in the NFL right now. So, uh, <laughs> some of the matchups are a little bit different this year uh, for us. Um, but it is. I mean, I'll be honest with you. You know, you watch. Uh, we've done this. We're we're going to run our offense, and they're going to run our, their defense. Uh, you know, we're not going to, we're not coming up with and throwing everything out. We're going to, you know, and, and running a whole new offense that we haven't run. We're going to run our offense this week. Uh, you know, and I, and I can't imagine them coming up there and saying, hey, you know, we've, we've, you know, we, we have this, this defense that has been one of the top defenses in the country right now, and we're going to scrap all of that and start new to try to, try to create it. So, um, you know, I, I, the matchups are the matchups, and, you know, you're going to try to get some beneficial ones, and, you know, the guys that, played in that game last year that are back or a year older and hopefully a little bit better for us. Uh, I'm sure they feel the same about their guys as well. And then there's, you know, there's different guys, you know I mean? Uh, unfortunately, I think they've had to deal with some injuries. Uh, we've had to deal with kind of a depleted roster on, uh, you know, because of, of, of varying circumstances. So, uh, you know, but it's, I, I think that's the hard part when you get to the matchups, but they're going to, their guys are going to do what they're doing. We'll do what we do. Sure. 
And I saw your video clip from a while back where you mentioned whether it be arm wrestling or running stadium steps, you know, a true competitor, true competitor wants to beat somebody's ass, man. Mm -hmm. In that vein, what do you relish about coaching against, you know, a defensive guy like Kirby? Well, it's fun. I mean, you relish. This is a competitive game. I mean, you're here. You'd love to go be a – we want to be a championship football team. And, you know, this uh, – the, the, whoever wins this game is going to have the inside track towards, towards being that. And that's what – you know, that's what you're competing for. Uh, in this game is that opportunity to put yourself in the driver's seat to go go have the go win a championship and uh, you know those are the opportunities you want to be in here is competing for championships as the season goes on thank you Dan close with Zach hey Dan I wanted to ask you about uh, Kyrie Campbell but the one quick thing on Tony you mentioned his route running I mean, you can see on that touchdown that he had like, like it was a ridiculous move that he put on that guy just how unconventional might he be a little bit with his route running, but how has he been able to use that to his advantage just because of how slippery he is? Yeah, I don't know unconventional. I think it's just the discipline of him being able to do that, uh, you know, of, of you know, him being able to, you know, he's such a quick change direction guy. So his ability to, to change direction and run a route and set you up one way and go a different way um, – you know, I think that that's what you want. You know, you look at routes. You're going to coach routes. You're talking about the top end of routes or releases of routes. You know, your ability to get in and out of breaks. And um, and he's so quick, he's able to do that uh, at a high level. He's, and he's really worked to do that at a much higher level. So, uh, excuse me. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that's made him, uh, I think, even a, such a better player this year. And then, Kyrie, you talked about after the game how he just kind of raises everybody's play. Just for him personally, what do you think that moment meant for him just not being able to play the first three games and then he steps right in and he's, he's ready to go like he didn't even have time off? Well, I think, I think you know, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you're, you're a guy, especially a guy that's a senior, and you're not out there on the field playing. I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, it, uh, you know, like I said, we've had a lot of guys miss games for various reasons, and it's never easy on any of them. Uh, because any competitor wants to be out there on the field, you know, competing, playing, helping the team win. And uh, uh, so I think that's really hard, but I thought it was, uh, you know, I think I knew he was really excited to be out there and get back on the, on the field and start making plays again. All right, Shade, so there you have it from Dan Mullen. You know, I certainly respect Georgia defense. He should, the way this Georgia defense plays against his offense here, uh, going, even going back to Mississippi State. But – you know, one thing I do want to note with Georgia being down potentially a lot of players on defense, you know, don't confuse that with, well, they're going to go to some three-star no-name. They're inserting five-star players. You know what I mean? So I don't think it would be wise for Florida fans to say, even if it is like an All-American, as crazy as that is to say, well, hell, they're not going to be with this guy. They're not going to be with that guy. The guy replacing him might even be better, as crazy as that is to say. That's just how loaded Georgia's roster is right now. So, I don't know. I think Georgia, the more I think about it, this there's a lot going Florida's way, but I think there's a lot of things that Georgia will be able to hang their hat on going into this game. And they have, obviously, just as much on the line. They got a championship roster here as well. And I think they're they're going to give Florida their best game. Oh yeah, no, it's it's team. I I'm just talking about in a perfect world you'd have both these teams completely healthy, on a neutral site like always, and just just a hell of a game. We knew we knew there was always that that 
that opportunity that there was could it be some injuries. There's going to be maybe some COVID situations. Uh, there was, that was always looming, but Georgia and Florida, both they're loaded top to bottom. And, and that old cliche, they don't, you know, they don't rebound. They just reload. That's, that's what Georgia does. Mm-hmm. Hey, Shay, well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today. All new customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. That means if you're a new customer to MyBookie.ag and you put in the promo code THATSEC, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000 so you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. And we mm. got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here. And the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So <laughs> head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC over at mybookie.ag. Thousands of cross-sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that Winning season begins today only at my bookie with that promo code that SEC. All right, Shane, uh, next match up here. Pretty good one here under the radar. Let's jump on down to College Station. Giga Maggies. Jimbo met with the media here on Tuesday, and uh, obviously the, the Aggies have never lost to South Carolina since they joined the SEC. It's only seven games series, so. You know, that's a little misleading, but still, 7-0 is 7-0 in a, a matchup like this. But, uh, you know, there's so much kind of like the Florida-Georgia series a little bit. You know, Texas A&M's going into this thing. They're going. They're on the road. They're a top-10 team. They got people like us telling them they may not lose another game. They're headed to the college football playoff. At this point, it seems like, not saying South Carolina can't, jump up and get the Aggies. But I think the biggest issue for Jimbo Fisher and company is just kind of making sure they don't overlook a South Carolina team that's had two weeks to prepare for this game. But what are your thoughts on that? I mean, if Texas A&M doesn't show up and play as well as they did against Arkansas, could South Carolina get them here on the road? Absolutely, man. You you can't sleep on any team, man. (laughs) We just talked about Georgia. Think about last year. South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia slept on South Carolina and that you saw how that thing turned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Carolina is better this year and, and they've proved it. And I guarantee old Muschamp sitting on there on a, on, on wild Island thinking about what he didn't do with LSU. I, I, you know, watching that game between Auburn and LSU, I, I'm sure Muschamp is just tossing and turning in bed thinking like, why did I not put more pressure on a freshman quarterback? Now, I, it, I, he messed up. That was a coaching mistake. And uh, they got to get back to their roots and, and run in the ball, playing good, sound, fundamental defense is what wins for South Carolina. So I think they get back to that, Mike. They get back to that fundamental play and still – a scary team to face. Yeah, and don't forget, I mean, the, the team they did lose to was the damn Incredible Hulk version of LSU. Yeah. They did not get the Bruce Banner version of LSU, so I think that Incredible Hulk version is going to sneak up on a <laughs> – it's going to sneak up on about half the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all about uh, which one you're getting there. But uh, 
Let's kick it over to Jimbo, talking about to what he really likes about this Texas A&M team. On uh, his team, the challenge of having them not overlook opponents down the stretch. On getting opponents best on the road. And then um, I thought this was really interesting. The last comment he had, you know, would you welcome back any of the players that have opted out? Uh, good afternoon, Jimbo. Um, here at Midway Point, uh, are there any specific elements that you can point to and say, this is what I really like about this football team? The first thing is our competitive nature, our ability to be resilient, our ability to match up uh, each situation. No matter what happens to us, we keep playing the next play and we play in together and being a football team. And I think to have success as a team, I think it's very important. You know, where the offense, if the, if the defense struggles, the offense picks it up. The offense struggles, the defense picks it up. And vice versa, learning to play together. But I love the camaraderie of this team. I think we're learning to be a physical football team. I mean, we're trying to be more physical up front, being able to control lines of scrimmage. And at times we do, and times we don't. I mean, it's, it's tough in this league. But I think I do like that ability, have balance on offense. Our front guys on defense staying physical to be able to do that. And our kicking game has been pretty sound throughout what we're trying to do there. We're kicking the ball where we're supposed to kick it, punting it. Getting, hitting our field goals and PATs and, and return games. So in that regard, we're doing a good job, and it's got to continue to get better. Jimbo, if I could piggyback on that, you certainly had teams before that were highly ranked. How do you approach that with your team? You know the guys are looking at the top ten. They're hearing all the what-ifs and all the scenarios. What do you Do you approach that? What do you tell them? Don't listen to the poison. You're going to believe us, myself, and the staff, and everybody around you. You're going to, are you going to believe people – out there who are just writing things. And I don't mean they, they're, they're going to write a story whether you, like I tell, they're going to write a story if you win, they're going to write a story if you lose. It's going to be benefit. They win both ways. They win both ways. There's no offense to that. We we live in our own little world. And you, you always play, why, you know, why were you not having success? You always look at that. But when I ask them, why are you having success? Because you block out the clutter. You play one game at a time. You live one day at a time. You do what you can do today. Go to bed, get up, get ready to play the game this weekend. And that whole process put you in position to have success. Doesn't even mean you have success. You have to go play. And that's what you keep reminding them each and every day. You always do that because anytime human nature is to have complacency. Human nature is not to grind things out. Human nature is not to push to be great. It's to do well, take a break. I need a little break and, and then we'll get back at it. No, if you're going to have great teams, you can't think like that. And that's something that hopefully in the culture we're continually building and expressing uh, from our coaches, from everybody in the whole building, A to Z, that, you know, you have to have – the reasons you have success never change. It's, it's your preparation, your thought process, and your daily work habits. Jimbo, you, you always do talk about opponents being faceless and nameless, <clears throat> but I wondered about the flip side. In your time at uh, Florida State, you had a lot of top ten teams. Going on the road, particularly, do teams play harder because of that ranking? Did you find out it's a little tougher or not? Yeah, when you, when, you, when you become a target or you, you have success, like, you know, we did down there for a long time. We definitely did. I mean, our teams are laying it out there. I mean, they can make a name. They can make a season. They can start a program. And uh, I hope we can get A&M to be that point. That's, why, that's what our goal is, that, we, that everybody wants to play their best against us, which they do in this league anyway. But, I mean, if you're being ranked and doing the things you got to do. But that's something we can't worry about. you got to expect the other guy's best no matter what. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard, and you go. But, yeah, that, you become a target. You know, if you do it for a long period of time, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, that's, just, that's just human nature. But you as a competitor, you got to assume somebody, no matter what's going on in the game, they're thinking that way about you. And because you can't worry about them, you got to worry about how you play and expect that guy's best and play your best. 
Hey, Jimbo, I wanted to ask about your guys' third down conversion offense. It's, it's ranked number one in the country right oh, now. Wow. Take you. Kellen's been fantastic. Yeah, sorry, I don't want to jinx anything, but Kellen's been fantastic too. 64% completion percentage, four touchdowns, and that hasn't been a strength of his in the past. So I'm curious, what's different about Kellen on third downs in this offense as a whole on third downs? Well, season? I mean, I think, one, you're, it starts with the quarterback. It always does. But it starts with protection from the offensive line. It starts from routes from guys getting open, knowing how to get open, how to get in spacing, get everything proper, whether it's backs, tight ends, receivers. It's, it's, a, it's a cumulative effect, and we emphasize it. We understand how you always hear me say third down conversions is a huge part of the game and gives you four more shots and being able to get off the field on defense. And that's something we work on. We, I mean, we start on Monday. We start early in the week on our third down red zone conversions and our, and our uh, game planning, not just, you know, because even though first and second down and all that stuff, we start very early, work a lot on Mondays, a lot more than some folks, I think, is that we're on the field and do a lot more on Mondays with pads uh, than a lot of guys. And uh, we've just been fortunate in it. Guys are doing a good job, and knock on wood, hopefully we can do it. And they're throwing, catching the ball, or running the ball. I mean, being, I think having balance has been good too. We've been able to run it and throw it, and you know that's been able to convert. Coach, did any of the uh, guys who opted out uh, show any interest of, of wanting to rejoin? And if they did, would you let them? Yeah, I mean, listen, we, everything, when a guy opts out, we always discuss what's going on, why you're going on, and when you're always open to those situations because, listen, those guys made decisions in tough areas of their time, and, and when there was different scenarios, as I can say the circumstances change, we all change. I would very much so because it's their right to do that, and as their head coach, I need to listen to that and would be very open to that at any time, uh, but at the same time, respect what they have decided right now. All right, Shane, so how about that little nugget there at the end? Because Texas A&M was one of those teams that got hit harder than just about anybody with the opt-outs. And I think it certainly showed at the beginning of the season when they struggled so much against Vanderbilt and Alabama. But, hell, the, the way they're playing and what they're going towards, it's looking like, you know, I don't, I don't want to call any of these players out because I don't know their individual situations, but... Maybe they're looking at it like, hell, now I got an opportunity maybe to play in a college football playoff and improve my stock and add to the depth here that, that we have at A&M for this critical run. And certainly these guys in the media, they usually ask questions, Shane, when they have an inkling of you know some guys considering a return. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Shane? I mean, Texas A&M, as good as they've looked, it potentially could be getting uh, even better down the stretch. Absolutely. And it's, it's, I can't believe I didn't think of this. Uh, this is a fantastic question and it was something that, that, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, with Corona, with the, with the COVID-19, Mike, you hear different reactions. People think different. And it, it really it really stems from who you're with, who you're around. Some people are, are you know, just pro-COVID. Like, I don't want to say pro-COVID, but like just you got to be really careful because if it gets you, you know, there's that crowd. And then there's those that just thinks it's a hoax. And and uh, you get it and you're, you get, you know, a little cough one day and you're back to back to work the next day. There's just, there's, there's those types of crowds and these boys, you know, when they had to make a decision, could you imagine making a decision that could affect millions of dollars and say, you know what? I don't want to be around that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not blaming them because I've seen both sides of, of the spectrum here. So, but now, I mean, you're, you're we're halfway through the season, Mike, we're, we're halfway through and, and this thing ain't slowing down. They, they are making this thing work. We're going to have college football playoffs. 
I, I'm almost 99% sure that we're going to have the college football. There's no slowing this thing down. Um, and, and yeah, so now the boys are like, wait a minute, you know, this thing. Maybe- right. And if I can, your comments there, I agree a hundred percent with you. And, and we got to remember this is all new for everybody. Yeah. And when this was going down, like you said, uh, you know, information, you, sometimes you don't know who to trust, how safe this thing is. And, and I think certainly we have enough evidence where, We've, we've lost a couple games, but I think that's kind of good. It, that shows that they're taking it seriously. They're doing the testing mm-hmm. and following the issues like we've had at Florida and Vanderbilt. We've got those under control. And to my knowledge, no one is seriously ill or hospitalized. So they're handling it properly. So if I'm a player that opted out, and there were quite a few on Texas A&M's team that if they were making strictly a business decision, you know, where they said, well, I'm just going to go to the NFL. Mm -hmm. I really feel bad for them because I think they got misled on their stock, if that makes sense. So they may need to come back if they have hopes to play it in the NFL, which I assume they do, because that's part of the reason they said they were opting out to prepare Mm -hmm. for the NFL. But there is no preparing for the NFL like playing in these games. Improve your stock, particularly against elite SEC competition against potential college football playoff competition. That's how you're going to improve your stock. And I'm not judging anyone for their reasons. And if they stay opted out, I'm fine with that as well. But uh, I think it might be best for everybody, all all parties involved, if uh, if they come back. And I'd, I'd love to see it. Yeah, me too. I'm all for it. And if these boys, I mean, if they want to come back, let them open arms. All right, Shane, so let's uh, jump on down to the other side of this one. Let's go on down to Columbia. Will Muschamp met with the media here on Tuesday as well. And, you know, he's in an interesting spot because they just got blown out by LSU. And, you know, the fans are ready to fire him again after (laughs) two consecutive wins. They were looking good. Now they're they're on their way out. So this is just going to be a week-to-week proposition. But certainly after... You know, they really put it to Auburn. I think it's yeah. fair to say that. They out physical them, out-toughed them, and, hell, that was the team that just beat the hell out of LSU. So you just don't know what you're getting with these teams this year. That's part of the reason I'm blaming my terrible picks because you just don't know who's going to show up. But if that good South Carolina shows up, if that tough physical South Carolina shows up, if Kellen Mond has one of his inconsistent performances, which mm-hmm. guys like – uh, J.C. Horn and Israel McQuamu, and we've got Ernest Jones on defense for South Carolina. We've got some good players here, so it's yeah. not it, we ain't going up here against uh, Division Two Northeast State. You know what I mean? We're yeah. going into the South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina. It's a tough place to play. I know South Carolina fans, probably the ones that are out on Muschamp, don't want to hear this, but hell, he could cool that damn hot seat in a damn hurry. He gets another, he's already got another, a win over a top 10 team this year. He could get himself another one here on Saturday. And uh, all of a sudden I think the hot seats off if, if he can beat Jimbo in, in Texas A&M. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, that, dude, you kidding? Uh, without a doubt, you beat Texas A&M. They're, they're back on the bus. So oh, I, I did want to ask you how, how short, because they ask him, they ask my champ about the other quarterbacks. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how short is this leash now going into this game? Well, because, was- be, 
because Muschamp is he is coaching for a job, and mm -hmm. the last thing you want is the fans pissed off that you're not willing to to make a quarterback change if needed. Right. Well, there was a, a rumor, and I think it was nothing more than just a rumor, but there was a rumor going around saying Luke Doty was going to be the starting quarterback. So I think that's why the first question Muschamp got was, hey, uh, Colin Hill still starting? So <laughs> he put a damper on that pretty quick, but it sounds like Doty may be number two now on the depth chart. I, that's not been confirmed, and, and we'll get to Muschamp here in a moment, but he certainly didn't confirm that or anything, but would love to see Luke Doty get on the field a little bit more, given the fact that uh, what he brings to that offense just – no one else can kind of bring it. Hell, he said it many times. He's one of their fastest, if not the fastest player on the team. Yeah. Uh, so that's just an added dimension that Texas A&M may not be ready to account for. Yeah, definitely. And I don't, I don't want him just to be, uh, you know, the wild cock. I want to see him out there actually being <laughs> a quarterback. So if he does get some playing time, I hope he does. I hope they work him into the game at some point uh, just to get a little bit of action and keep uh, – keep a&M off kilter there it'd be nice to see some uh some quarterback play too well let's kick it over to Muschamp who uh, talks about the quarterbacks he talks about uh, Kellen Mon and the Texas A&M running game and on his good buddy old Jimbo Fisher hey Will uh, is the plan still to start Colin Hill at quarterback on Saturday yes and did you and Mike have any discussions about giving another guy a look I'm just how did those go over this bye week well, Ryan and, and Luke both got a lot of reps, and I thought both guys did, you know, did a nice job and continued to improve and get better, and we feel like Colin gives us our best chance to win. Uh, hey, Will, I wanted to ask, uh, how how much uh, were you able to see kind of from Luke in terms of just uh, obviously third stringers don't get a lot of reps during regular game week. How much more were you able to see from him over the bye, and do you feel like his role changes at all coming off those first five games? Well, he continues to improve. He's been very impressive as far as the different things we're asking him to do because he's obviously different from Colin and Ryan uh, athletically. So there's some different things that we're asking him to do at the quarterback position as opposed to what we're asking Colin and Ryan to do. So, uh, But I think he's continued to progress with that package and has done a nice job. Hey, Will, what concerns you the most about Kellen Mond when you're preparing to face him? Well, I think experience number one. I think that the, the guy's gonna, you know, seen a lot of looks and, and uh, you know his experience as a player. He's got legs. He can hurt you with legs. He's obviously very accurate with the football. He was twenty-one of twenty-six the other night. Uh, so, so I think he has a very good understanding of what they want done offensively. Uh, but he presents a lot of issues as number one as a thrower and number two as a runner and a guy that's uh, you know that's that's got obviously though their staff and their team believe in him an awful lot uh, and the confidence that they have in him. In in today's world of college football, how strange is it to be facing a starting quarterback for a fourth time? Uh, is there some advantage to you as a defensive planner? because you've seen Kellen Mond so much and you kind of maybe know his tendencies and know some things about how to, what to expect. No, because he's a good player. <laughs> I don't know that it helps you at all, but no, he is a, a really good football player an experienced guy. Um, uh, it's very unusual to see a guy in, in his fourth year as a starter, uh, but to see where he's come as a freshman and how he's continued to progress every year. I think that, you know, I think probably the, uh, you know, one of his most talented attributes is his toughness. 
this guy will stand in there. I mean, I think about last year, we, we rushed them pretty well and we, 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 we got after him uh, pretty good. And he got up every single time. TJ Brunson uh, did have a targeting in that game and it was a, a, a clean hit on the quarterback, but you know, Kellen got right up and kept on playing. And I think the, his element of toughness, which I know impresses Jimbo uh, from that standpoint, in our conversation. So uh, I have a lot of respect for the young man. Well, coming off the type of game that you had against LSU with with the inability to stop the run as consistent as I'm sure you would have liked, you know, knowing you're going up against a team that likes to run the football a lot, you know, how much does that excite this team knowing, you know, that this that's how they want to most likely attack you? Well, we've challenged our guys to understand what we're getting into, that we've got to play the run much better. And I think we're certainly more than capable of doing that. We looked at some things schematically that we can do to help our guys, and we got to play better. We've got to get off blocks. And, uh, and and play much better as far as disengaging, snagging, getting off guys. And so we've addressed some of those things, and I think we'll play much better. Uh, hey, well, obviously you've seen uh, Jimbo Jimbo's offense going all the way back. I wanted to ask, how much has that offense evolved and changed, and, and also what kind of a sort of matchup problem is number zero for them? Uh, well, Smith is a very difficult guy because he can obviously play running back, and, and they can create some two-back sets with him as opposed to when you're thinking it's going to be a one-back set. So that that does create some issues for you. And I think he's very, uh, you know, he runs extremely well, but the guy competes really hard when he gets the ball in his hand. He really runs hard and he's, he's quick. Uh, he's shifty in space and a very difficult guy to get down in space. We've got to bring our feet on him. We've got to wrap him, uh, but he is a good football player. Um, you know, I think that we all evolve and change, but I know philosophically, uh, you know, Jimbo believes in the run game. He believes in the play action off the run games. So whatever he's building from that and whatever he feels like is best suited for his offensive line and what his back's like, and then the play action's off that, there's a lot of carryover probably through the years in the passing game uh, that I would say is similar. Uh, but he's not a guy that focuses on plays. He focuses on players. He's going to focus on trying to get the ball to 85, to zero, uh, to his back's. Uh, and that's something that always stuck out uh, with me with Jimbo is it's not about plays. It's about players and, and what we can do to get guys the ball. And so, you know, again, he does a very good job. All right, Shane. So check out these stats. I've, I worked these up real quick right before we uh, got on the show here. But uh, Kellen Mond during his career, he's faced Texas A&M three times already. Mm-hmm. Eight touchdowns, only one interception, 737 yards. And... No, I'm sorry. That, that's his stats this season in, in the current three-game winning streak. And they're basically the same during his games against South Carolina. 733 passing yards, two touchdowns, 167 rushing, another touchdown. But it's kind of eerie how those match up. And it may be a little too simple to say, but you know this is Muschamp's final crack at Kellen Mond. And I don't want to put Will Muschamp's job on the line just for this one game, but Hell, we've had enough game experience. We've had enough game tape. You're supposed to be a defensive-minded coach. That Everyone on the field is a player you've recruited. If you cannot handle Kellen Mond once again, uh, I think that might tell us all we need to know about Will Muschamp. I mean, I mean, what yeah. more can, you be, can be said? You know what? Yeah, I mean... Couldn't you kind of say the same thing about old Garantano? <laughs> I was just thinking, I was like, didn't you face him four times? But at least he did win a few times. But but anyway, yeah, uh, whatever. I, I I think it's important that you, you come prepared for this game. Clearly, they've had a couple weeks to do so. 
And it's important that Texas A&M doesn't read them clippings because, uh, you know, what it was uh, Saban called that rat poison. Yeah. I mean, that, you, you read that, you get involved in that rat poison. Next thing you know, you're, you're looking at the scoreboard saying, what the, where the hell did we go wrong? All right, Shane, final matchup to preview real quick. Let's jump off down to Nashville. Take it down. Where uh, Coach Mason met with the media here on Tuesday. And, you know, all of a sudden the, the Vanderbilt offense got a lot of life. Ken Seals just played his best game, and he's had some some decent performances already as a true freshman here. We all know how difficult it is. And, you know, you got to feel – I don't know if bad's the right word, but it's just unfortunate that he didn't get, you know, the typical North – Illinois University and UNLV games and all these to to kind of get acclimated to the system before they get into SEC play. But, man, they threw him right out there, and I think uh, he's proven that he's a player they can build upon. But how much disrespect is this, Shane? I think the line right now is currently 18.5 in favor of Mississippi State. And, hell, Mississippi State can't get in the damn score, the end zone. So they've scored seven points on offense the last three games combined. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I just picked Vanderbilt last week. I, they made me look like a damn fool. So I'm certainly <laughs> not leaning towards taking Vanderbilt to win this game. But what's the confidence level that uh, with Ken Seals, who's looking pretty solid, that they can cover in a game like this where – we don't even know if Mississippi State will score. That's the thing, Mike. Ken Seals is actually really pretty good, and I liked him from the start. And this is a kid that's just getting better each and every week. And Vanderbilt doesn't need – that's the thing. You watch a game like Ole Miss where they got to score a ton of points. This team's not built that way. They're just not equipped. They're not – they don't have enough depth to, to run – uh, to run toe to toe with Ole Miss, they do if they just got to get to twenty eight <laughs> or twenty five <laughs> or twenty one. This is right in their wheelhouse. So, absolutely, the uh, clearly, clearly, there is a, a script out on how to beat the pirate and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And uh, if if Mason gets a hold of the same tapes that we've all been watching, uh, I'm a little worried that uh, that Mississippi State might fall this week. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, we're, let's kick to Coach Mason in just a second. I just want to ask you a real quick question, Shane. Right, and Mike, I'm yes. going to tell you, as a Tennessee fan, uh-huh. it, nothing worse than losing to Vanderbilt, buddy. <laughs> I'm talking. You feel like you hit rock bottom, then you lose to Vandy. So. Let me ask you this real quick before we jump to Coach Mason. Right now, Shane, redshirt senior, true freshman, would you trade – Jarrett Garantano for Ken Seals. In a New York minute. And that's all, that's all you need to know. I mean, that's how promising this guy's get. All right, let's kick, let's kick it over to Coach Mason. And I thought his comments here are kind of damning a little bit about Mississippi State on how you know they really are not changing anything they're doing over there. Yeah, Derek, uh, whatever you guys did to sort of tweak the progressions with Ken uh, seemed to work. That was his best game so far. Right. Can, can you just talk a little bit about what that was and uh, what changes you guys made for him? And it, did, did it tell you that he was he was pretty coachable that he made those changes? Yeah, Ken's coachable. Um, the 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 changes were were around protecting the quarterback. We gave up one sack, so it was about protecting the quarterback. It was about getting the ball out of his hands, but it was also about you know uh, a series of throws, a platform 
you know, like what platform was he throwing from? Was it, was it always from the same spot? So the ability to move the pocket, to get the ball out of his hands, didn't want the ball, you know, like to stay in his hands, uh, you know, like versus that group, you know, any longer than it needed to be. So if it came out in 2.06 seconds, okay, man, it was good. I mean, that, that's, that's what we wanted to see. If we wanted to protect him, we needed to make sure that it was coming off of, of, of different types of protections, whether it was tight end chips or whether it was, you know, a play action pass. And I thought you saw, you know, like a fair amount of that. Um, he may have had a couple of, of, of glazes or hits, man, but what, what you saw for the most part was uh, a fairly clean pocket and him being able to get the ball out of his hands. But um, the spacing of the throws, spacing of receivers – opportunity for guys to work in space. You saw Cam Johnson have 14 catches, like, in that ball game. Again, I, I thought we concentrated on, you know, who are our guys, what can we do, uh, like, to, to help our quarterback in terms of the reprogression, because what we do know is that he's a pretty accurate quarterback. Um, so, in that, man, we're going to make sure, man, that we can uh, week to week build it so it fits him, it fits what we need to do, and let's play ball. And something on Mississippi State uh... – Mike Leach is running now the same as what he what you saw him have at Washington State, or is this is this quite different? It's very similar. Um, the, the, a lot of the concepts are the same. The athletes that he's doing what doing it with, are pretty high level. Okay, man, he's got weapons, you know, all the way around for the backs, uh, you know, to the wideouts. I mean, it, but 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 it's very similar uh, in state. I actually, you know, went back and took a look at at, at my notes. Uh, and myself and Coach Mattioli were just commenting on, you know, I mean, there's a lot of carryover, a lot of 10 personnel, a lot of 20 personnel, but um, conceptually, probably 65 to 75% of the stuff is very much the same. Uh, yeah, Derek, I'm curious, uh, what do you think are the biggest differences between Leach's air raid and, uh, you know, the spread offense you saw from Ole Miss last week that isn't necessarily an air raid offense? Yeah, I, I, think, I think Ole Miss, I think they're both – semblance of air raid um because again when you when you look at um you know where lane was um his last stop was that fau with 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 kendall browse that was purely air raid (laughs) you know like a lot of those concepts were purely air raid so i i think you know looking at the two um they have similarities uh we we've got to be better at some of the things that we talked about and again it's not really about talking about it It, we've we got to make it show up Okay, man, playing top down, you got to be able to tackle in space, the quick screens, you got to set edges. And really more so, um, like with Lane, Lane, Lane had a, a, a ground game that he was going to stick with. Not saying that Leach won't stick with it, but, you know, what, what, what the tape tells you is that, you know, he wants to put the ball up and they're going to run the ball a fair amount, enough to keep you honest. Lane could find himself being a little more 60-40 where, you know, Coach Leach is sometimes 80-20, and that's really what it looks like. Uh, I guess on the radio broadcasts, supposedly they said Donovan Kaufman is out for the season. Uh, what's, you know, is that true? What's his status? Yeah, yeah, Donovan Kaufman uh, man, is out for the season, uh, you know, with a medical-related issue. Um, mm. Coach, what about Marlowe? Is, is there a chance we see Marlowe return this week? JVR Marlowe has been suspended for um, – Violation of team rules, and Javion will be back, but, uh, man, he won't be available this week. All right, Shane, so I know Vanderbilt defense just got shredded. So this sets up really well for Mike Leach and his offense to finally get, you know, back into their groove here. But if Derek Mason 
who they just maybe he just doesn't have the players right now. And hell, they just announced you know we one of our key players out for the year to do it due to injury. We got another guy suspended, but if they know what's coming, and it certainly seems like everybody does because they're just doing the same blueprint, and Mississippi State is failing to adjust, failing to execute. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just all due respect to the Pirates. What in the hell are we doing here? Yeah, I I don't know, Mike, and I, I that's the million dollar question, and I I, I expected. I expected different things, but we got to remember, man. Let's let's look. Let's dissect the last two games that they had. You got to remember the last two games that we have that we're going off of that we're making all these assumptions mm-hmm. was Alabama and Texas A and M, two teams that we have had conversations about competing for a national championship. So I, I'm I we can't hold Vanderbilt in the same group. I, I think obviously we're going to see some life this week, and um, and it and it just comes. I I don't want to say quarterback play because it it needs to be a team effort, and that's something I've not seen from Mississippi State since week one. Is is just everybody doing their freaking job? Passes not getting dropped. Quarterback making good decisions. The line giving the quarterback time. The defense keep doing what you're doing because if if anything's working, it's that side of the ball. And I, I guarantee, if if we have a team effort, if we have some 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 unity out there, Mississippi State could beat just about anybody. It's just they haven't had it yet. So do they get it back this week? That that all comes from upper management, man. That, that comes from coaching, and and we're going to see just how good the Pirate is. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, let's jump on down to Starkville real quick where Mike Leach met with the media. Let's just uh, get right to his comments here on uh, talking about K.J. Costello and Will Rogers. How's the quarterback battle going right now in practice? on how to get this offense going. And then uh, it's kind of interesting comments here on how well the transition is going at Mississippi State and how many young players are already starting to merge for his program. Hey, Mike, just quickly, any update on KJ's status and do you expect him to be, be available come Saturday or is that something you're just going to monitor through the week? Uh, no update. We'll monitor it through the week. Coach, uh, looking at the numbers, it does seem like it will put together some uh, – you have some consistency on offense. When you go back and review his performance, how do you feel about it? I think he does a good job. I mean, you got a guy that, um, um, you know, if, if COVID hadn't hit, he would have been at the prom three months ago. So I think that a guy that uh, comes in and has uh, uh, the limited experience he does and uh, does some quality things, I think it's really been impressive. And then, uh, he's got a good presence and demeanor with the huddle. Kind of, kind of following up on that, coach. I mean, what are the chances that he starts this weekend? I'd say fifty-fifty. That's what they were last weekend too. Hey, Mike, you mentioned having to uh, execute better before. After watching the tape this weekend, do you see anything offensively that you think you guys can build on? And what's the main thing you guys are trying to improve? Obviously, execution is what you talked about, but um, anything more specific? offensively i really the biggest thing we have to build on is our youth and enthusiasm i mean we do have some enthusiasm behind these young guys that uh, get to go out there and play early and they're excited to be out there and 
Um, <clears throat> and that's where people take the biggest strides as, uh, as uh, you know, when they're freshmen and sophomores and we need to do everything we can to help them take the biggest strides we can. I think those were the, uh, the biggest positives. I didn't think, uh, I didn't think anybody quit in the game. I do think that uh, over time, these guys will learn in off seasons, you know, that's, and we need to, you know, log some off seasons, uh, in these guys, but, um, <clears throat> uh, what is it? There's a study, they say, uh, uh, people work on 40% and they have 60%, uh, potential remaining. We got to try to get uh, as deep into that extra 60% as we can. And uh, that's what we're working on. Mike, what do you really see about uh, Vanderbilt on the tape? You know, that, uh, that kind of sticks out. Um, well, they give you several different looks. They're not afraid to blitz um, kind of a scrappy group uh, offensively. They do have some tricks up their sleeves and, um, <clears throat> some key guys that you've, uh, you've got to keep an eye on. Um, and you know, like a lot of teams in the course of this year, um, <clears throat> you know, they'll, uh, cause this has been kind of a disjointed year from one year to the next, uh, or not one, one week to the next, you'll see things that you didn't see the previous week, but, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, we're kind of on the fast track, uh, given the schedule this week. So I haven't seen as much of them as I've usually seen uh, going into this press conference, but, um, you know, just a good quality SEC opponent. And we've got to prepare to the best of our ability and be our very best in order to play. So, um, you know, but the, the bigger thing is, is, <clears throat> you know, I'm worried about our growth because that's what, uh, you know, that's what we can impact and control. I mean, you expected some kind of transition. I mean, has it kind of gone the way that you, that you thought, you know, just little by little, game by game? Uh, I can't say it has specifically. I mean, this is like uh, everybody's uh, said, and you guys are probably tired of hearing it and asking it, but <clears throat> it's been a funny year, you know, with a lot of stops and starts and interruptions, and that's most damaging, you know, if you're a new program and also uh, a young program. But, um, you know, we're thrilled to death that we have the opportunity to play. And to be perfectly honest, um, without, uh, you know, our conference and probably the ACC, they may not be even having football this year. So I'm thrilled to death that we get to play because our players definitely need the experience uh, uh, to de develop both now and for the future. And um, uh, so I'm excited about that. But, you know, get as much done as you can each day. Uh, keep growing, keep getting better. And, uh, uh and, you know, and uh, I think the best is yet to come, but we want that to come as quickly as we can. And, and we do have an excited group and they really do. Um, one thing when players, uh, when they graduate or when they leave, you know, the thing they miss the most is, is the guys, is the locker room, you know, and you can kind of uh, <clears throat> feel that energy and growing more and more in ours too. Um, Coach, you mentioned both Will Rogers and Jaquavius Marks today, both freshmen. Uh, despite the struggles so far uh, this season, how much encouragement do you have that some of the key contributors on this team so far are true freshmen in terms of building the future of this program? Well, it's great for the future. I mean, the hard part's now, you know. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic for the future. I mean, um, I don't have a roster in front of me, but – <clears throat> you know, our, our second, uh, Z young guy, uh, 
uh, our, uh, our why young guy, um, uh, both running backs, young guys, uh, one of our quarterbacks, young guy, uh, and then, uh, you know, JC guy at X and, uh, a uh, young guy behind him. And, and then you go through the offensive line, uh, th- uh, three to four young guys, depending who's playing. And then uh, one experienced guy. So, I mean, it bodes well for the future, but you know, you scratch and claw right now. Now the other good news is, is they're getting reps now that guys at other places wouldn't necessarily have, you know, because they'd be playing behind somebody. And so, you know, uh, you know, by the time they hit their junior year, you know, they'll have, in some cases, two full years experience, you know. All right, Jade. So it, I always kind of chuckle a little bit when you got these coaches talking about how bright the future is and everything. And usually you're getting that when a guy's, you know, sitting on a hot, hot seat and he's trying to, <laughs> trying to say, well, look what we got coming. But uh-huh. uh, I'm a little worried, I guess, that Mike Leach is already – we're halfway through year one, and this is the conversation we're already having. Any any concern for you after hearing these comments? Well, concern, yes, but it's just because I expected more. I, I'm just, I, it's just they came out so strong, Mike. You just beat the national champ, and, and that's that's tough, man. That's that. I wonder. I wonder if the pirate wish he didn't win that game. Sometimes, if he didn't, <laughs> if he didn't climb up on the bandwagon and, and and make a spectacle out of the team, because it did put him on the map. People mm-hmm. were looking at him, and now they're judging him. And each week, you see him go against teams like Texas or, or Texas A&M and uh, Alabama, and it's not coming out the way you week one did. It's just they they set the bar really high and. Uh, and, and then you got all the stuff going on in the in, behind the scenes with the players opting out and uh, the locker room. A little, it sounds to me a little bit in turmoil there. Uh, there's, you know, that that's going on, and you're going to have that with any job that that you you come in and take over. So you look historically, Coach Leach struggles his first year. So I'm not in a full blown panic here. The they need an off season. They need, they need some of his players in there. They need this team to, to, to realize what he's trying to accomplish. And like I said, they just need to play together. They need, a, they need a buy-in. We've got all these opt-outs. And if there's still some, some, some ones hanging out there, that's thinking, you know, got one foot in one foot out, get them out, Mike, because it's time that we come together as a team and, 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 improve on the future this this 2020 is a tune-up season for mississippi state mm-hmm. you're not going to gain you're not going to lose anything but during these next few games they they need to focus on development so that they can be prepared going into next season yeah and final thing because i feel like i was a little harsh on mississippi state go back and look at what mike leach did at texas tech and washington state they were pretty awful out the gate yeah. and it took time to adjust and once they got that buy-in, I think even if you go back to Washington State, I believe it was they had like an all-conference receiver or something. He left in the middle of the year just like Kylan Hill, who oh, I forgot to mention, officially announced his opt-out today on Tuesday. So I'm sure Mississippi State fans heard that noise, but he's headed to the NFL. So that's mm-hmm. a that's certainly a blow, but, you know, expected news there. But, hey, I think uh, brighter things are coming. And, and once again, he's – this is a program that really could have used 
some of these cream puff games to, yeah. to figure this thing out before they got into the, the SEC ske- uh, schedule here. And, and uh, once they get back to that, I think they're going to, they're going to be a lot better. All right, uh, guys. So Shane has got his in-laws beaten down at his door from what I understand. <laughs> so uh, I really appreciate him jumping on here and, but yeah. I, w- I want to get him off here. I know they've got a, a, a big night over at cousin Shane's house. Um, anything else, buddy, before we get off here? No, it's just my wife loves this shit. She loves this politics stuff, and it's like you know how the World Cups every four years. This is her World Cup, so I gotta, I gotta get out here and cook some quesadillas and uh, you know watch this election stuff. But um, I appreciate, I appreciate you doing all the work, Mike. Hell, you know you had all this stuff ready for me. I jumped on, and I, I really do appreciate that. I appreciate the fans. Um, a lot of you guys are jumping on here to get away from this political stuff. And, and that's what we're here for. Uh, we're a podcast for for you guys. And uh, we just want to talk college football, talk SEC, uh, the, just the greatest conference in the country. And uh, and will be and always will be, Mike. Let's let's not lie. Let's not. But I, I, I just I was thinking I do want to I do want to ask you one question, Mike, because mm-hmm. I saw you. um I think it was Peter Burns that came out and mm-hmm. uh, he, he did some sort of thing like what, what would you change? What would you do? And, and, and I, I just loved your comments about the, the three. Uh, can you just for the listeners, tell them what you were talking about there? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody that doesn't know Peter Burns, you got to, he's a must follow sec network. You should know if you're listening to this show, I'm pretty sure you know who he is, but he just asked here on uh, Tuesday morning here, he asked, you know, if there was one thing you could change about the SEC, and he's he said, should we go back to eight conference games, nine conference games, or this ten, which is fantastic. Certainly don't mind the ten games. But I responded, I thought the best way to handle this would be, so there's 14 teams in the SEC. I think each one needs to have three permanent rivals that it plays every single year. And, of course, if you're – you're including your own school. So that's four that leaves 10 other options. And very simply, you just rotate those five the yeah. every other year. And the, the whole point here's an, here's a good example. Shane, Trey Smith. We all know who that is. Tennessee lineman. He said, hell, I've never studied Arkansas, never been to Arkansas, never played Arkansas. He is going into his senior year. You could say the same thing about Jared Garantano, who's in his fifth year. Never wow. played the Arkansas Razorbacks. What in the hell are we doing when two of the best fan bases, two of the best programs in the SEC, once it's not even once every five years. It's just that's just happened to be the rotation. Yeah. Where players like Garantano and Trey Smith, this is their first crack at Arkansas. It doesn't make a damn bit of sense to me. If we switched it how I just said. Those two players, every player that sticks around for four years would have an opportunity to visit every single SEC stadium, and every program would have an opportunity to visit their stadium. And I think that would make the conference better, and it opens it up for recruiting. I know it already is, but programs like South Carolina, they recruit Texas. Texas yeah. recruits South Carolina. And how much better would the families have it if, you know, every other year you're playing those schools, you you get to see your relative, you you get to maybe you can't make it out to South Carolina if you're from Texas. That's a hell of a long way to go. Yeah. But if he's coming to College Station every other year, uh, I mean that 
that's a great opportunity to see him play. And I think it just makes the whole league better and it, and it brings us all closer together. And that's all I'm trying to do. And I know we would lose some of these annual games, but you know, no disrespect to, I picked that Texas A&M and South Carolina for a reason, because that for some reason is a annual rivalry. They got a trophy, Mike. Like they that, got a trophy. That's a joke. I mean, who, no one cares about that. You know, who cares about uh, uh, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss? You know, and and uh, well, that's an old one. That I think that's the second oldest one. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Uh, who cares about uh, Missouri and Kentucky? I mean, nobody. You know what I mean? And, and I'm not saying those schools by themselves. I'm saying that that's not a that's not a series that anyone was like looking forward to. So why in the hell are we deadlocking this thing the way it's always been? And it may have been great when there was 10 teams, maybe even when there's 12, but there's 14 now. And we got to adjust this thing because Tennessee and Texas a and another good example. I can barely remember those teams playing twice. I can remember the, the last time it was in mm-hmm. 2016 and they weren't even meant to play this year. So uh, who knows when they'll play again. And uh, I just I just hate that because it, it makes them seem like they're not even in the same conference. Right. And it's a perfect time to do it. I just we we're getting spoiled here, man, with 10 SEC games. And I, I, th- I still think 10 is probably too too many moving forward. But eight, eight's doable. Eight SEC games, nine even I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to, especially if some of these other uh, conferences maybe tuned up a little bit in conference game action. But I just, I, I'm with you. I, I, I don't think it's fair. In fact, when we, when I listened to the clip of the show and it, when, when, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Mullins. When Dan's talking about playing Florida state, Miami, and then Mississippi state once, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, that's not cool that we're in, like you said, we're in the greatest conference ever. And, and these kids should get to go to each university and think about the fan experience. Okay. The I mean, players are important, but think about the fans wanting to go to these different stadiums, how easy it's going to be to start. You know, I, that's, that's my bucket list. That's your bucket list is to go to each one of these cathedrals and watch your team play. I just, I, I want to do that, and it's and it's harder when you're playing a team every seven years. <laughs> like right. So like, the for conditions example, have to be perfect. For example, you're a Tennessee fan. They're if they're going to College Station, if you ain't making it this year, it's going to be about 12, 13 years before they make that exactly. trip again. It's it's ridiculous. They need it's so yeah. stupid that we we need to move away from this. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I am with you. So I just I just thought that was interesting. I thought I'd bring it up here at the end. Uh, I'm getting the the go to hell look, so I, I got to get <laughs> off here, Mike. I, I appreciate everybody. Uh, if you got an iPhone, you made it this far. The the ratings review really do help us out. Um, uh, um, I, we're still working on the T-shirt design. I don't want you to think we forgot about the T-shirt, man, Mike. There's been about 15 pictures go back and forth of what the T-shirt design should be out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, it'll be that's coming soon and. Hopefully, maybe we get a design. We'll throw it out there, see if anybody else is interested in getting them. But, uh, yeah, that's on its way. But, uh, hey, let's get Shane off the line here before he gets grounded. He may not be able to come back. Uh, Thanks for joining, Shane, as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, We'll catch you all in the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.
and then this uh, Georgia defense and facing Kirby Smart. You got a little, uh, you got a little nose whistle there, Mike. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I've been doing blow. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> uh, the old election day lines, huh? <laughs> I got a lot of money on this one. Uh. All right, Shane. Uh, so. Uh, so <laughs> I hope he's wearing a red tie, man. <laughs> uh. Hey there, SEC fans. If you've been enjoying the music of this podcast, then head on over to www.crimsoncalamitymusic.com to follow us on social media and to hear our new song, Ghost, out now on all streaming services and wherever digital music is sold. Thanks so much for listening. And now back to you, Mike and Shane.